Welcome to the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. I'm Caitlin Carpio-Futchner, and I'm so excited to spend some time with you. This is a place where I talk with other mamas about their favorite tips, tricks, and resources, and also celebrate the joys of mamahood by sharing real stories and experiences. New moms, veteran moms, moms-to-be, this podcast is for you. I hope our honest chats about the highs and lows of mamahood help you find joy wherever you are in your journey. I am so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Find the Good Mamahood podcast. Over here in our house, we've been soaking up some beautiful warm weather, keeping all the windows open and playing outside when we can. And when we're inside, we've been gradually adding bit by bit to our giveaway pile. Um, And I've been finally able to put up some home decor items we haven't gotten to yet. It's been almost a year since we moved into our first home, so it's exciting. Also, things take longer than you think, so (laughs) that's kind of discouraging sometimes. But today, my friend Stephanie is our guest, and we'll be talking to her about her journey into a minimalist lifestyle with her family. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks. It's great to be here, Caitlin. (laughs) I don't know if I described that well enough (laughs) in a tiny little nutshell. No, that's good. That's good. I would describe myself as a, someone who's aspiring to live simply uh, or minimalistically, um, but I think simply is actually a better word for it. Mm-hmm. So we would love to learn more about you. Can you tell us about your family, um, what you like to do for fun, and what you do during the week? Sure. Uh, I live in Northern Virginia with my husband, Andrew, and daughter, Naomi. My daughter is three years old. And uh, Andrew and I both work outside the home. So during the week, he goes and works with plants and I go and work with kids and teach them music. And Naomi goes to daycare and plays with all the kids. And uh, on the weekends, in our current phase of life, we're getting ready for a big transition. So we're trying to spend as much time with family and friends as possible. So our weekends have been pretty busy with um, road trips to see family or just plans to see friends. Mm. So what sounds fun to you when you have time for yourself? (laughs) Uh, I've been crocheting a lot recently. I really enjoy creative hobbies, things where I'm like making something. So Mm -hmm. kind of anything artsy is pretty much up my alley. And I just rotate through my hobbies. And right now I'm in a crocheting phase. (laughs) Nice. So this was a huge change for you all you're gonna have to tell me the whole square footage change and everything but to go from a normal sized house to a much smaller sized house um, and all the things that came with it I'm sure that was a huge transition so can we start um, by talking about what inspired this change for you and your family Mm -hmm. so the area we live in northern Virginia is a really expensive area to live Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I a year and a half ago, yeah, about a year and a half ago, we were living in a townhouse in Manassas and really liked the neighborhood, really liked our neighbors, but our rent was really killing us. So um, I we, we had an opportunity to move into basically a friend's mother-in-law suite on their land. And um, the house we were in before was probably about 11 or 1200 square feet with the three of us, you know, three bedrooms upstairs, a nice big area downstairs. And, and then, um, you know, uh, the space my friend was offering us is just under 300 square feet. So there's one big main room, and then there's kind of a galley kitchen and a bathroom. Uh, There's one door in the whole place, it's between the bathroom and the rest (laughs) of the house. Yeah. Yeah, but the price was right. And we were in some debt at the time. And just scratching to get out of debt, but really not able to. Mm. Um, so for a couple of years, I've been pretty obsessed with minimalism and tiny house living. And um, <laughs> I love all the tiny house shows. I watch all the tiny house shows that are out there. I've watched them all. If you're like, what about this one? Yes, I have. I love them. <laughs> and for years, Andrew would sit next to me on the couch and go, haha it's so funny that you like these shows I'm like it's so great we're gonna move into a tiny house let's build our own tiny house and he's like 
he, you know, he just laughed at me. So that, that was like our dynamic for years. And then there's this opportunity to move into this small space on my friend's land. And I said, well, it's X amount of dollars per month. And I thought he would have to think about it for a week because he's a real thinker, processes things a little slower than I do. Um, and he, without hesitation, said, yes, I'm doing it. And I said, oh, okay. I thought I was going to have to talk you into this. He's like, no, no, we're doing this. So um, it was all about, it was all about the money when we started for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for me, it was also like this, like a bit of a dream come true adventure that my husband was willing to go along with because the price was right. So can you tell me more about the change? Like what kind of decisions did you have to make? Like what were some of the hardest aspects of the move? Sure. So we were slotted to move into this space in June. So we had probably three or four months to get ready to move. And the goal was to get rid of everything we didn't need and just move what we needed. And we were doing pretty well with that. I started a blog, started writing about it because that was I, I love writing. So that was really exciting. And um, we were making good headway. And actually, in addition to the space we live right next to it is this big garage. So there was also like kind of the safety net of like, if we didn't get everything figured out in time, we could put things in the garage. Um, but I've, by that time I'd gone through probably three or four rounds of like minimizing my own stuff and minimizing my daughter's stuff, just going through and choosing to live without things I don't need, even if they're nice, but just like, I don't need it. So I'm not going to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anything that was a shared space, Andrew and I had to do together, I'd never minimized before. Because let let me tell you, it's not okay to minimize someone else's stuff without their permission. This is something people want to do. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. It'll ruin your relationships. (laughs) Anyways, I think the hardest part for us was the kitchen. We Mm -hmm. both love to cook. uh, And we, you know, when we got married, I think Andrew had a full kitchen set and I had a couple things. And then we like registered for other things that we never would have bought for ourselves that we thought we really needed and really wanted to cook with. And we were moving into a kitchen that has no oven and uh, no stovetop. We just use a cooktop. And um, so minimizing things like dishes and sets and sets of glassware that you really don't, you don't need six champagnes. I mean, maybe that's how you entertain and if that's how you entertain, that's great. But uh, there's just a lot of like dishes that we didn't use often enough and um, cooking things we didn't use often enough and all of our baking stuff we basically boxed up. But I think that was the hardest space because it was a huge room in our old house. It was half of downstairs. There's a really big kitchen. Other than that, um, just like being gracious with each other as we needed time to let go of things uh so for example if someone had a collection if I had a collection of things that I've had with me forever and ever and it really doesn't add value to my life but I'm having a hard time letting go of it Andrew to be able to give me the space to deal with that in my own time and vice versa that was the other thing that was hard was giving each other the space and time we needed to let go of things mm-hmm. was there anything that was hard for Naomi I know she was kind of little at the time no she was two two and a half two two yeah she was fine mm-hmm. <laughs> and um she has gotten more attached to her things in the last year partly because she's getting older but also like I think she really values um gifts and likes to remember um that so-and-so got her this and so-and-so got her this Um, And we'll even talk about the people that gave her the gifts when we're playing with toys or clothing or whatever. So in the last year, um, I think if we have made this move now, it would have been really hard for her. But because we made it when she was younger, it's not as bad. Um, She didn't exactly know what was going on at that point. And now when we start to collect too many things and I say to her, you know, we've got so many toys, we really need to give some away to share with somebody who needs them. Um, It's become such a regular part of our rhythm that she has no problem with it. Um, 
fact, a couple, maybe a week ago, Andrew told me that um, he said, okay, Naomi, we need to go get new shoes for you because your shoes don't fit anymore. They're like pinching your toes. And she immediately took her shoes off and said, so we can give these to somebody else, right? And I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, That's and amazing. It, it is pretty amazing. I'm like, wow, um, this lifestyle of like, only having what you need and giving what you don't need is producing generosity in my kid. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's been, that was actually a really cool moment for me as a parent to see um, a generous heart being fostered in my kid because mm. we're choosing to only have what we need and give away what we don't need. So. Mm -hmm. Now her shoes are really beat up and no one's going to want them. But that's besides the point. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that, but I guess, you know, kids in general, I mean, sharing's hard, right? They're, yes. they're first of all, learning to share even temporarily um, the things that they have. But then there's also, they probably just don't have an awareness that they have limited awareness of other people around them and their lives and stuff. And so, you know, the thought that there are kids out there just like me, who might need something or a family who could use this thing that we're not mm -hmm. using anymore is probably so beyond most kids that have their needs met and even their wants met. Like, you know, why would it come into their heads unless we're putting it there? Yeah. It's yeah. My kid has never not had shoes. Right. Yeah. My kid has never not had shoes. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And she's never, gone without she's never had the kind of scarcity some people do you're right so unless I say to her um, mm -hmm. there are people who don't have everything they need and we can be generous she's not going to know that mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right about that that's a really cool thing to be modeling for her yeah absolutely um, what are some of the most rewarding things that you've seen come out of your transition to a smaller space I think that story I just told is probably one of the most rewarding things. The other is um, I don't spend half of my Saturday cleaning anymore. <laughs> I mean, and sometimes it was all of my Saturday cleaning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just was so much. <laughs> yep. But I also knew I wouldn't relax and enjoy my Saturday evening and Sunday with my family if things weren't clean and put together in the house. So Saturday was an all-day chore fest, and it's not anymore. At most, it's two hours, but usually it's one mm -hmm. on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then we have the rest of the day and the rest of the weekend to ourselves. So that mm -hmm. has been really transformational for me because mm -hmm. it means, like, the time I spent taking care of my things all day Saturday, now I spend with my family. Mm-hmm. Or with my friends or whatever, but um, yeah. And, and, you know, when I first started thinking about and reading about minimalism, one of the first questions that came up um, from this author named Joshua Becker was like, what would you gain if you had less stuff? Mm -hmm. And like, seriously, the first thought was like, I would gain more time on Saturdays. <laughs> my first thought. <laughs> and that has been very true for me. I have gained a lot more time on Saturdays. Mm. Um, and even throughout the week because we have less things to take care of and that's been really lovely <laughs> I literally just spent about an hour cleaning all the carpet in our house which is a lot of carpet and we have a cat now so you know you have to go several times over the mm. same spot this time <laughs> like oh it was pretty dirty um yeah, like cleaning our bathrooms, like it gets so bad. It gets so bad. And like Coda's not contributing to any of it. It's just No, he's not. He's too little. And when yeah, he's old he... enough to want to help, he makes things worse for a bit first. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we used to live, you know, in this basement apartment. Well, it also had less carpet, but it was just less to maintain for sure. And um, you know, I, I would always complain about not having an, enough storage. So that was the downside. Mm -hmm. um, because we weren't in the habit of getting rid of things all the time. Um, but now it's like, oh, wow, it is a lot to think about and to put into your schedule. Like, mm -hmm. okay, don't neglect the house. We have to do these things on repeat. 
and even beyond cleaning like there's so much maintenance because it's so big and you know things are in varying states of disrepair depending on the year it was built so right because you're a homeowner and you have responsibility for those things yeah absolutely right right it's a blessing and a curse we could do whatever we want with the walls you know et cetera, et cetera. but <laughs> maintain everything yeah yeah i was curious so you all are moving very very far away um and so i was i was kind of curious what you're thinking about like bringing with you what concepts you're bringing with you what things you're bringing with you on your move yeah i've just kind of started processing that so my family and i we're going to be moving to bangladesh in august and um we're moving we're a teaching job that i have at a school that's great and um the school is run by a, a company or owned and run by a company that also like owns an apartment building where all the expat teachers live Oh, nice. So they, we're going to have an apartment provided for us. It's going to be fully furnished. So if something's fully furnished, actually, I, I had a call with some people from this school a couple weeks ago. And I was like, so how fully furnished is fully furnished? Like, can you show us? And they're like, yes, yes, we will in two weeks when we get on. I was like, okay. So I don't actually know what my floor, floor plan is. I don't know what's in the kitchen. I don't know if fully furnished includes mugs and plates you know and towels um but yeah i am starting to think through what are we taking so bangladesh it's summer all year round pretty much it it does have a cool season but it's it's no winter <laughs> it's like 70 degrees so it's got they've got a cool season i might take a hoodie with me but that might be a little heavy you know um yeah uh clothing some books and uh, I guess we might have to take sheets and towels, but I don't know yet. But those are also things we can purchase over there. Mm -hmm. I really don't know what we're going to take. Um, we have an allowance for a shipment, but they were saying on this call that if you can, like, as many suitcases as you can bring, the better. Like, the less, the if you can do no shipment, that's amazing. They said they had a teacher show up with 21 suitcases last year and no shipments, wow. you know? I'm like, okay, I actually don't think we have enough stuff for 21 suitcases. Um, That's a so, lot of luggage to keep track of, too. Yeah, it is a lot of luggage to keep track of, but I've seen people do it. Mm. I just don't know if I want to be that person. But the other side is like, what exactly do we need to take with us that we're going to be okay being in a shipping container for like three months before it gets to us that we really feel like we absolutely need? Like, mm -hmm. You know, if it's going to take till October or November for the shipment to get to us, then like, what exactly are we putting in it that we don't need in our like week to week lives? So mm -hmm. those are the kind of questions I'm processing. I'm happy to, once I figure out what I can get over there, I'm happy to like get rid of everything here and just like go with the clothes on my back. But Andrew points out to me very prudently because he's a prudent one of us, like, if we got rid of everything and rebought it over there, that's a cost to us. And since the school's like paying for the shipment, then mm -hmm. taking the shipment would actually be the cheaper option. I just think it's the more ridiculous of the options, but. Yeah. I, I remember the other day you were saying like, you know, you definitely kept like irreplaceable things like memory things. Um, so some of those two are coming with you to Bangladesh. Uh, probably won't take them with me. They'll probably live in my mom's attic, like my mother-in-law's attic, or my sister-in-law's attic, or my sister's attic. I have three attics <laughs> to choose from. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, a box of winter clothes, a box of like Naomi's first year of life clothes that I chose to keep. Mm -hmm. That can go to a, a, you know, somebody in the family who might have a baby next. Mm-hmm. And if they have a baby next, great. You can use the stuff. And if you don't have a baby next, we'll figure it out. Like, I have keepsakes from my life. Probably about a box of them. But I don't plan on taking them with me to Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. um, I do go through them pretty regularly. About a year ago, I went through all my journals. I've been journaling since I was 11. And I read through all my journals. Wow. So those are things I'm not, like, willing to part with. 
because I do refer back to them regularly, like regularly enough that they need to stay in my life, but not regularly enough that they mm -hmm. need to go with me to Bangladesh for a two-year stint, especially mm -hmm. when we're coming back every summer. So like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, we're 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 coming back to Virginia every single summer. So if we're doing that then they can live in someone's attic and I can pull them out in the summer when I'm here and look through them and that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. but I did do a big pare down of them in our last move uh just kept the best so. mm -hmm. oh I didn't know that you were coming back every summer that's kind of nice to have best of both worlds yeah yeah that's the thing about teaching for international schools you get the best of all the worlds because <laughs> they pay for you know pay for our lodging and pay for our flights home every year and give you health insurance and mm -hmm. a salary and all that stuff. So it's a pretty sweet deal. If anybody wants a good teaching job and wants adventure, you should go overseas. Mm -hmm. Are there any um, strategies or ideas you are already thinking like you'll implement in your time in Bangladesh? I don't know if that's two years or more. Um, I know the place will be fully furnished, but whatever you bring or whatever you acquire there, are you kind of trying to bring some mentalities with you? Yeah. Um, I had some strategies for when we were downsizing that worked well for me, but didn't work for our whole family. Mm -hmm. So I think it would probably be best if I mean, I could like present my strategy, but it would be best if like our family was on the same page about our strategy. Cause this time our move is not five minutes down the road and we can't just like go back with the truck and get another load. Mm -hmm. I mean, this time it's like, yeah, we just have to decide what we're taking as a family and be on the same page and give each other that same grace that I mentioned before. But I think having a rubric that we're living by before we start going through impacting that we both agreed on will be helpful. I'm really not worried about Naomi's stuff. She doesn't have enough stuff for it to be a big deal. We'll probably get rid of a lot of her toys and just keep her favorites. Um, but you know, a week ago I said, hey Naomi, your bin of stuffed toys is um, overflowing, you've got twice as many toys as fit in the bin. So it's time we went through and you decided which ones you're going to give mm -hmm. to somebody else. She was like, okay, no problem. I said, mm -hmm. okay, so your favorite ones go back in the box and your ones you're willing to let give away to somebody else go on the couch. She did a really good job with that. She picked five or six that she was going to give away. And um, not everything quite fit back in the box, but if I revisit that again in a few weeks, we can get everything to fit and yeah um yeah mm. so. that's really good yeah I, I think we're just gonna have to come up with a strategy and criteria we both agree to before we start because once you start and you try and come up with a criteria when it hurts then you're gonna like change the rules <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's true um but if the rules are like here's six suitcases this is what we're taking everything we're taking has to fit in these suitcases and they have to pay 50 you know they have to weigh 50 pounds each mm -hmm. then that's actually pretty rigid so yeah speaking of strategies what were some things that helped you all like habits or um you know mindsets just books just things that helped you um mm -hmm. in your journey so my favorite helpful um reads actually i listened to them on hoopla have all been from uh joshua becker joshua becker becker's um he's a christian writer who writes for like a wide secular and christian audience and he's a minimalist and he um has been writing about minimalism probably for like 20 years now maybe a little less um i read one that he did called the more of less that was really a great one for me um and talked a lot about like purpose and um understanding why you're doing what you're doing because like minimalism and like choosing to live simply is not an end of itself and you have a lot of minimalist thinkers and minimalist writers who get so wrapped up in 
minimalism that it becomes its own end. Like how few items can I own or how simply can I live? Um, and that's not how Joshua Becker writes and it's certainly not how I aspire to live. Um, he defines minimalism as, um, here I have it right here for you. Here's his <laughs> definition. The intentional promotion of things we most value and the removal of anything that distracts us from them. Mm. So to him and to me, the point of like simplifying your life is so that you can do the things that you want to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we can't do everything we say we want to do, especially if we're allowing ourselves to be distracted from everything. Mm-hmm. So back to my like Saturday morning thing, like I spend all day on Saturday cleaning. That's what I want to do with my life. I, <laughs> I want to clean on Saturday. Mm-hmm. No, like I want to spend time with my kid on Saturday. I want to spend some time writing on Saturday. I want to spend some time reading on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I want to take good care of my body and get a workout in for crying out loud on Saturday. But I'm taking care of a house that I'm attached to that I don't have time to do the things that I say are important, but are clearly not enough, like important mm-hmm. enough. You know what I mean? So for me to... um really live into what I think I should be living into I have to remove everything else away Mm -hmm. um so that's really like the main mentality for me that's what like living simply and minimalism is about it's like seeing what your life could be and choosing to go live it by getting rid of the other stuff and that can be any area of your life like I would argue the most distracted place people are is digitally. Like there's so much digital distraction in our lives. How many artists are we losing to digital distraction? How many writers and thinkers are we losing to digital distraction? Um, How many problem solvers are we losing to digital distraction? Like I'm guessing it's, I mean, I know it's like tens of thousands, if not millions. And that's a really um, sad thought for me. And I don't want to be one of those people lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love the point you made and he made about distraction because it's like a deeper thing than just like material, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just, okay, just cut it down by this number or like focus on how small you can get your, you know, stuff or, or, or downsize your things too. But it's more of like, what am I spending my time on? Mm-hmm. Um beyond just the stuff but also habits you know and maybe maybe that can prompt you to think about other things for sure the time we spend online and communicating and everything um we're just distracted in every way (laughs) i think you know because of that just growing up in these generations that we're in it's like we look for distraction even if that's Mm -hmm. in our stuff you know even if it's not in a phone um i think that's a huge problem so i think I mean, it sounds like it's been a problem for a while because he was writing about it for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just unique for now and definitely something we need to hear. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, so many people who become minimalists become minimalists because um, they have this epiphany that they're like completely consumed by consumerism. And there's two thinkers slash writers, um, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. They call themselves the minimalists. And they actually were my first introduction to minimalism. They have a documentary on Netflix called The Minimalists. That's been out for a while that I saw a long time ago. Highly recommend it. They also just came out with a second one. It's also on Netflix. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, if you're new to this idea of like letting go of things you don't need, then the uh, minimalism on Netflix is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both had kind of moments where they were like completely bogged down by debt, surrounded by piles and piles of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had pursued all this stuff and all this money and all this career because they were told it was going to make them happy. And how many of us haven't been told, oh, we'll get the next thing and that'll make you happy. And eventually they just realized, yeah, that's a big fat lie. And instead of just saying, yeah, consumerism is a lie and moving on with their lives, they started 
getting rid of their stuff in a really radical, extraordinary way and found incredible freedom in that. Mm-hmm. Because consumerism, my gosh, like... Mm. <sighs> <laughs> You're going to read a quote. <laughs> no, I just was thinking about this today. Like, a lot of people become minimalists for a lot of different reasons. Some people, like me, it was like uh, cleaning on Saturday, like the debt, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like simplifying our life so we could become closer as a family. Those were the three things for us. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, it's about sustainability. Like I'm not going out and buying more clothes mm-hmm. at H&M that are made God knows how by who knows how and where and keeping mm-hmm. up with the trends and throwing my old stuff somewhere so it can get shipped off to a landfill. Like, you know, I, here's my like X number of outfits and that's how I live. And I'm not going to buy any more clothes unless they wear out. Like that's a sustainability move. Right. But I mean, I, there's a lot of people who like really, they realize what consumerism and like their, I, their reason for becoming minimalist is to free themselves from the cruel slavery of consumerism because it is cruel Like, oh, if you just buy the next thing, you're going to be free. And Mm -hmm. you go out and you believe them and you buy it. And oh my gosh, I feel empty again. So what do you need to do? I just didn't buy the right thing. I need to wait for the next iPhone to come out and then I'll, and then I'll feel happy. You know, it's, it's never true. It's, you're pursuing, you're pursuing happiness in the wrong place and you're distracting yourself from what's really inside of you. And that peace is really only going to come when you sit with yourself long enough to figure out what's going on in your heart and mind and where you can really find that inner peace. It's not in your stuff. Yeah, it makes me think of the like, I guess it's a saying, like, make sure that your things are serving you and you're not serving your things. Yes. You know. So good. Yeah, it makes me think of (laughs) way back in high school or middle school or something, I took like a personal finance class. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> in a homeschool co-op style, so mm-hmm. um, that's why that was on there. But it was really good. It was definitely way above my head. I was like, I don't even make money. Like, what? <laughs> this is very hard. <laughs> what do I do with my two dollar allowance? <laughs> right, like my tiny little babysitting money. But um, yeah, and they're talking about like house investment. Like it was a little much for mm-hmm. little little people, but. Um, at the same time, we read this book. It's really old by now, <laughs> but it's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Uh, oh my it, gosh. I just had that recommended to me. Okay. Maybe it's not as old. As and, like a seminal, like really <laughs> heart-shaping work. Yeah, I think it's pretty famous. It's pretty long. It has lots of different sections that probably are helpful for different stages of life. But um, yeah, I just, I remember that book, parts of it, even my tiny little, you know, brain did click a lot with that just saying okay one day I'm gonna have a lot of money one day I'm gonna have a job and like stuff and I'm gonna need to make decisions about about what to do with those things and really our life is so limited like you know all these distractions Mm. make us think it's not um but it really is so limited our money is so limited Mm -hmm. um our time is so limited and just like you said, am I going to choose it? Pursuing more money, more things, um, which are ultimately going to just leave me in this cycle of wanting more and, and mm-hmm. ultimately going to lead to emptiness if I just mm-hmm. relax those things. Or am I going to, um, as a Christian, let God show me how to use my money and my time and my possessions and leave a much larger impact? So that's why it's called eternity, like a, an eternal impact very similar to what you're saying what if i use this house and my clothes and um you know our food to bless other people as much as i can rather than just focusing on me mm-hmm. and that will have an exponential effect like forever mm-hmm. and who doesn't want that you know i think even in buying our house we were like this is a lot of house there's a lot of debt we are taking on yeah and it ended up being good timing and we knew um, God was leading us here. It was really clear, but mm-hmm. it was a big step. And one of the reasons we chose to do it was because um, we wanted to make a smart investment and it was a really good investment at the time. And we wanted to have a a bigger space to just open up. Like we've had other spaces opened up to us, mm-hmm. you know, throughout mm-hmm. all our lives, just 
being welcomed into families and having living rooms and kitchens that are you know bursting with people so we have not lived up to that yet we have not, not quite had... i mean you're coming into the season where you can do that but you haven't been in a season where you can do that freely yeah it, it, it's tricky you know like between coda being sick and us being so busy um and it being winter and different things but we are excited for the spring and the summer and you know different initiatives coming into our community that we're going to be part of and so it's like yes we get to use our house maybe as we wanted to so anyway yeah. that that eternal thought of what am I doing right now with my stuff yeah yeah absolutely I'm taking a class online right now through bible project oh. and um we were uh it's a class in genesis like the first few book first books of genesis like the first four books and we were um talking about and thinking about the scene where um adam and eve fall and take take the forbidden fruit and eat it and um this quote really just like hit me in the gut because i was preparing for this interview so i had like that in in mind like um particularly like people's relationship to their stuff and how it can be like a lie about how it's going to fulfill you and all that stuff so this quote it was about the tree of uh good and evil in succumbing to the lie that they need something they already have they annihilate themselves and so after sin there is nothing for it but death and i thought to myself man like so often it's easy even me like you know, to succumb to this lie that I need something, but I already have it. Like, I just, I just need, yeah, I just need another sweatshirt, but I already have it. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a deeper level, like, um, feeling like if I go out and I purchase, then maybe I'll find the happiness that I'm looking for. But like, I already have access to that happiness. I already have access to peace through Jesus. And I don't need the things that say they're going to give it to me. And frankly, at the end of the day, the things that say they're going to give it to me, they're going to suffocate me and kill me. And they lie. So why do we yeah. keep listening to them? <laughs> mm -hmm. If what I'm saying is intriguing to you and kind of hitting a chord in your soul, then I would just leave you with a couple questions. Like one is, how would your life improve if you own less stuff? How would your life improve if you own less stuff? And then past that, I would just invite you to um, not think about like the hardest things in the world that are for you to get rid of. Like, don't think about, don't think about the areas of your house that you're like, oh, but I could never get rid of that. Like start with easy stuff, um, stuff that's just easy to kind of slowly start to give away to people um, or, you know, donate or put in the trash because it's really not worth anything. Um, and if you start to find emotional freedom as you start to get rid of this stuff that's easy to get rid of, then I'd encourage you to go and like listen to some other much smarter people who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. That's a great invitation. I like those questions. <laughs> so I was remembering that you did a blog and I read a good amount of those blog posts. They were really good and really intriguing. It was kind of like a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> Without the drama, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our very own Taylor family going into a tiny house. <laughs> um, and I will definitely include the link to that one. Um, but I was curious with that blog, why did you decide to blog and like what kind of feedback did you get from people who read it? Mm -hmm. I'm a writer and I haven't had anything to write about for a while. So <laughs> when we decided to do this, I had something to write about. Mm -hmm. um, and the blog is just, it's a, you know, it's an easy self-publishing method. So for people to read what I wrote. That's why I did the blog. It also really helped me process like writing for mm -hmm. others helps me process um, the deeper questions that I'm wrestling with as we like downsize and move mm -hmm. to a smaller space. The result of the blog um, has been 
some good conversations with different people. Um, I would write the blog and then I would like post on Facebook my post. So anybody who was friends with me on Facebook had access to it. So I had a lot of different people reading like mm -hmm. old friends and colleagues and people who both follow Jesus and people who don't. And um, so, yeah, I, I think um, my favorite reactions have been people who like what we're doing really resonates with them. Mm. And they say, I read your blog, I read your post about this, and I've started a giveaway box. Mm -hmm. And we're, my family is going to downsize. And we're, we're starting that process. Mm -hmm. um, and then they'd be excited to tell me about what they got rid of. Those were my favorite conversations for sure. <laughs> um, and the other ones were like kind of aha moment conversations. Like I was doing this and I, I actually stopped and asked, wait, why am I actually buying this? Or wait, why do I feel like I need to get so many Christmas gifts for all my, my family? Is there another way I can show them love? Mm -hmm. um, so like conversations where people were having their own realizations were my absolute favorite. Not a lot happened on the website itself. Um, but there were a lot of conversations that happened in person because of it. Mm. That's great. That's really good. Are you planning to blog about this next journey adventure? I haven't decided. This one feels a little more personal. Like, I don't know if I can write honestly and then, um, publish that for anybody to read. <laughs> so. I might write, but keep it to myself on this one. I don't know. You know, everyone wants to stay in touch and everyone want, you know, wants to read about what I'm doing, things like that. I can do some generic stuff, but yeah, there's just things about this move that um, not everybody understands. And I'm typically pretty good at helping people who don't understand to understand. That was one of the big reasons I blogged, actually. One of the big reasons I blogged was like, man, I don't think my family is going to get this. But maybe if I, on either side, but maybe if I write about the process and they read about it as we go through it, mm. they'll have kind of journeys with us a little further mm -hmm. and they won't, they won't think we're as crazy as we are. I don't know, whatever. And I'm just not yeah. convinced that I can bring everybody who doesn't understand why we're going along in the same way on this one because people you know nobody has anything to lose with us downsizing really because that's our own personal family nuclear family journey but um we have a lot of relationships to lose mm -hmm. or like a lot of relationships to figure out how to do from across the world especially with family mm -hmm. i think this might be a journey i write a book about someday but like <laughs> yeah not yeah maybe not a minute by minute capture this time yeah maybe we'll just like post pictures that might be it mm -hmm. <laughs> having fun in traffic in Bangladesh oh look my first food like <laughs> real Instagrammy stuff maybe but uh, I don't think I can speak from the depths of my soul mm -hmm. uh, the way I did with my other blog and um, help bring people along Right. That makes sense. But it will still be so much you learn. And I, I can't wait to hear about them one way or another. Um, and I think, like you mentioned already, like, it sounds like you already shared a lot of really helpful things with people. Um, uh, just about simplifying in general. Um, you probably bless a lot of people by making them think twice about their lifestyle when this isn't a very popular lifestyle. It's not a very, very popular question to think of. How can I get rid of? How can I serve others? And mm -hmm. we don't think about those automatically. Um, yeah. And what does simplifying my life open up like mm. my life to? I'm just, I'm so convinced, you know, I, um, before I knew about minimalism in college, I lived with a couple who were about my parents' age. They lived a very simple lifestyle. Mm. They lived in a decent sized home, but they had enough space to host me and they didn't own a lot of things. They didn't own a TV. And um, 
they, you know, they had like a hobby each and they lived with such um, peace and contentment and ease of relationship. Mm. Like their house was, you could come by and say, hey, are you here? And they'd say, yeah, we're here. Come in, have a cup of tea. Um, and that was just the culture of their home. And um, goodness, they they didn't have a lot of stuff. But their like peace and their contentment it came from Jesus, and their ease of relationship came from like room in their schedule for mm-hmm. friends, and room in their schedule for Jesus because they lived a simple life. Um, and that's that's really what it's about for me. Is I I want to be like my friends, um, who lived with such profound simplicity, um, that left space for people to encounter them and to encounter love and relationship with them Mm -hmm. that's beautiful i think diego and i want to be that way as well it means when your kid's older he can't do five clubs oh that's true (laughs) (laughs) at least not till he can drive himself yeah that's true saying no to kids is a whole other ballgame yeah but first you have to learn how to say no to yourself Mm mm-hmm just like you have to lead by example in like getting rid of your own stuff. You also have to lead by example. If you, if you long for your family to have a simple, mm. um, pretty open schedule life, you have to have that first before you can ask others in your family to do that too. Mm-hmm. And you'll have seasons of like seasons where that's just not possible. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not how you want to live your whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say other people should do this or my kids should do this, but actually modeling it for them, you know, it sounds like is the most effective way and the hardest way to teach them something. So Rosaria Butterfield talks about that in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. She talks about how um, her kids forego involvement in lots and lots of activities so that they can live out a radically generous, hospitable lifestyle. Mm. and of course she and her husband forego things too so that they can be home for dinner every single night they Mm. can invite their neighbors to dinner every single night like if Mm. that's what the aim of their life is going to be they're going to say no to a heck of a lot of other stuff Mm -hmm. simplifying your weeks simplifying your schedules too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you are a listener and you're a follower of jesus and you're like um parts of this about like simplifying my life to make room for Jesus really resonate with me, then I would totally recommend um, Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon does a teaching series on simplicity. Um, And it's phenomenal. It's kind of long, but if you're a podcast geek or audiobook geek like I am, you'll blitz right through it. Um, And I really recommend that highly. even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there'll be a lot of things in there that might be interesting, especially if you're trying to make room for um, inner peace and things like that. Um, and then my other, my other favorite recommendation is anything by Joshua Becker. I mentioned him earlier in the talk, but he started a blog way back in the day called Becoming Minimalist. And um, if you're like, I just, just a little curious. I'm not going to listen to a bunch of teachings on this, but I'm just a little curious. Definitely go over to becomingminimalist.com because they have like years and years of blogs. And I mean, I went there today and there's a new blog post and I read it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> they have their list of books that he's written on there. And um, I don't know. I don't think they have any podcasts, but they even have a decluttering course, like you can sign up for a 12 week course and go through like decluttering your whole house with a cohort of people. Like if you're really intense and you want to do that. And then I mentioned the minimalists, Joshua Fields, Melbourne and Ryan Nicodemus. They've written a lot of books um, and they've done two documentaries, both I believe are Netflix. And then they um, also have a podcast that's been going on for a long time. I checked today. They have like 300 something episodes. Wow. Um, that is the goal. So if you like go back to the beginning <laughs> and you want to hear like the most basic conversations about minimalism, start with like episode one or two. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think Joshua Becker by far has been my most thought-provoking resource. And then this holiday season, I read a book called um, Have Yourself a Minimalist Christmas by Meg Nordman. Fantastic. You should read it in June, not in November like I did. <laughs> so you can think like about how do I intentionally elevate the most important things about the holiday season and say no to other stuff so that Christmas or whatever your holidays are, are just like the most magical, wonderful time and not the most stressful, like I can't handle my lifetime. So mm -hmm. yeah, those, those are my big, big ones. Those sound so great. Thank you for sharing those. There are so many choices that we make for our families and um, just so many. And I love that you have thoughtfully and intentionally gone through and, you know, considered what would serve your family and chosen this lifestyle that's maybe, maybe, maybe at the beginning was challenging, but um, now serves your family well and serves other people even in the process. And I love that Naomi's learning from that too in a unique way. I think she will be a really others aware, generous child because of that. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your fascinating journey with us, Stephanie, and some awesome questions and things to think about. There's just a lot of food for thought here. So I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Caitlin. I really enjoyed this. Mamas, thanks for joining us today. I hope you took away some insight and ideas and even questions to ask yourself and maybe your family from our chat. There's so many good things to think about and ponder and check out. Go check out the episode notes to find all those books and resources that Stephanie mentioned um, and also her own blog. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. <laughs>